0: And we'll get there in just a little bit but first Samuel chapter 30 and that's where David uh, he is finding out as he's coming back to his home camp that the enemy the Amalekites have come in and they have ransacked the place taken all their women children off they didn't kill anybody but they uh, took everything that they had and we'll get into that a little bit later but this series that we're in and I have said for two weeks in a row that I thought we were ending this series. But every week for the last two weeks, God has prompted me to stay here. Yesterday, the Lord was prompting me to go to a certain uh, message and, and just kind of dig this out. And I'm like, but Lord, this, I really was, I've really i got something I'm ready to move on to. But the Lord said, stay here. And I'm like, I, I'm going to obviously be obedient to the Lord. And, uh, but I've been lying to the people, Lord, for two weeks I told them we're wrapping this thing up And we're not wrapping it up, you know And he said, well, let me worry about them And, and you know, so I'm, I'm sitting here today Talking to someone before service And uh, I won't call their name Because I didn't ask them if I could uh, share it, uh, you know, in detail But we were just talking And they were saying uh, I said, how you doing? And they said, truthfully I, I love it when people are truthful and they don't put on the fakeness like, I'm doing so good at so hard. You know, when inside, and he said truthfully, not good, not good. And since, you know, two or so in the morning, uh, and, and here's the crazy thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. So I don't know if, if you said two o'clock, but it was around two, sometime like that. At around 2 o'clock this morning the Lord woke me up and the Lord's dealing with me to to bring this and I'm just wanting to sleep and from 2 to 5 I wrestled and laid there I was in another room uh, last night so that I didn't have to disturb Shay. and I'm like Lord Uh, I'm going to preach this, and I believe that it's a time of encouragement for somebody, whether it's that one person or it's across the board. But while you were laying there, the Lord was over here nudging me and saying, wake up, wake up. There's something I want to talk to you about. And I love it because, you know, how, Brian, you said it was prophetic in reverse when the, that family went to the screen is is really not necessarily reverse. It's just the fact that they realized it when they saw it, but God is thinking about us all the time. He's thinking about us when we're not thinking about him. He's thinking about us in our situations. When we're not, when we're not thinking about them. And so last night when you you felt like the enemy was tormenting you, uh, the Holy Spirit was tormenting me in a, in, a, in a sense. The Holy Spirit was like, hey, wake up. It's not the time to sleep right now. Wake up. Listen to me. I want you to I want you to go a different direction this morning. And I hope and pray in just being obedient that the Lord's going to minister to the body today. So. Um, all of us have had times in our lives where we felt like, I can't give anything else. You ever been there? Yeah. I'm giving all I can. I've been to the place in my life, and I'm sure you have too. God, if you let one more thing go wrong, <laughs> I'm, I'm this close to backsliding. <laughs> like, Lord, I don't know how much more I can take. But thank God, God knows how much more we can pay. Thank God that He knows our limits. And thank God He has the wisdom to know uh, what we can and can't do. And as He tests us in different ways. But I've had those moments in my life where I I, I was literally just surveying my life over uh, around the last three years or so. And I'm like... Uh, if you'll just forgive my language for right now, and kids, don't say this, uh, you know, but it's just kind of been a sucky three years of my life. All right, I see Mama going, "Do not say that word," you know, and 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 no, um, but it's been it's been it's it's not been my best years. It's not been, and I'm like, I could list a number of things, both ministry and. Uh, uh, personally and in all kinds of different ways and I'm like um, God you know I, you're, you're also doing good things too
1: yeah.
0: God's, God's always doing good things but it's amazing how we let the bad things that God does not cause we amplify those and give that all of our attention, and we, we seem to lose the good things that God is doing here and there, and you know, there have been times in my life over the last three years, I'm like, God, I don't know how much more I can take, like, come on, you know, give us a good, give you know, give us a good ball. Every now and then, you know, I'm not a sports uh, person, and many of you guys know, but I know sometimes you just want a good ball across the plate where you can just hit that thing and it just zooms over the fence. But you don't want somebody just lobbing you some old sorry ball, uh, you know, uh, to you every time. And it's like, God, come on, man. I I need some wins. I need some wins. And I saw this thing the other day. Uh, I don't know who posted it or whatever, but it ministered to me. And, it's, and it was reminding me, like, we don't pray for victory. We, play, we pray from victory. We don't pray for victorious things to happen. He's already been victorious. And we pray from that place of victory. And sometimes when you're praying for victory uh, or, or from victory, it doesn't feel victorious. Ever, does that? I know it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. It doesn't feel victorious, and there are times in my life that I have felt in the last three years that I'm barely hanging on. You've heard phrases like, you know, he's hanging on by a thread. Uh, you know, uh, this what I'm saying today may seem a little counter. Uh, uh, Cross-cultural? No, what's the word? I'm looking at, ironic, or like it uh, uh, goes against something that I said recently? If you remember in a message, I said I remember the days when when some old preachers I heard them preaching, and they were preaching up a storm, man, and they were they were they were trying to encourage the body, and maybe it did. But they were saying, you know, if you've got to come down and hold on to the horns of the altar every week to make it to heaven, then come down and hold on to the horns of the altar and and make it in that way. Well, that sounds good. And ultimately, I guess the ends might justify the means. The ends, you're going to end up in heaven, but you live a terrible, you know, uh, uh, poverty mindset type life. Like, I just got to barely make it through life. And I'm always going to be struggling with this. If that's the way you want to live it, but that's not your best life. And we don't have to live. By clinging to the altar in some kind of desperate way. And when I say desperation, I'm not talking about longing for him. I'm talking about I'm barely able to do this. God wants more for us than that. And what I'm going to be sharing with you today, I don't want it to sound like it's uh, I'm I'm saying, okay, I'm backtracking. But this is what what I want you to know. That there is no dishonor in barely holding on. You follow me? Because it sounds like, and I am, saying, you don't have to go through life barely holding on to make it to heaven. And, you know, you don't have to do that. When you know who you are, your identity in Christ, and you know what's afforded to you through the cross, and you know that we are co-equals with Christ. I didn't say that. God said it in the Word. That we, he loves us as much as he loves the son himself. And we are co-heirs with Christ. When we know all of that, we understand, oh yeah, I don't have to live at that level. I can live at a much higher level spiritually. But there are times that you're going to feel like you are barely hanging on. You are barely holding on. There's not one more thing that can be loaded on your shoulder. And what will happen is you and I will begin to feel like failures. We will begin to feel like we're not measuring up. We will begin to feel like, you know, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not living up to my full potential. But there is some honor in holding on. There is some honor in you and I not giving up. There's some honor in uh, you and I sticking to the altar, sticking to our calling, sticking to our identity, even when things are not going right in our life. Even when it looks like um, instead of there are blessings coming into your life, that there are subtractions uh, coming into your life. You lost the job. You lost your wife. You lost you know, X, Y, or Z. And it's like, God, you're a God of abundance. You're a God of addition, not necessarily subtraction. But that sounds good theologically, but that's not true. If you just look at Gideon, for example, God said, I need to whittle this thing down to what you really need. And God knows what you and I need. He knows how much you and I can take. He knows the tenacity that He's placed in us. He knows the faith faithfulness that he's placed in us. He knows you and he knows you well. He knows Rice Stewart, and he knows me well. And there are days when I wake up and I feel like this. And maybe this message is for two people in the room, the guy I spoke to and myself. But there are days in my life where I feel like, God, I am barely hanging on today. Don't let us take a 90 degree turn. Don't let anything uh, uh, crazy happen today because I don't want to get slung off off the trailer as I'm barely hanging on to this thing called my faith. As I'm barely hanging on to this thing called life. As I'm barely hanging on to this thing called the Christian faith. Now, you can uh, look at me if you want to and I'm not saying anybody does that in this room, but I've had people to tell me to my face, Pastor, people don't want to know that their pastor is that real. They don't want to know well, would you rather me be real or would you rather me be like uh, two or three pastors within just the last two months that we read about, and they're preaching up uh, fire, hell, and brimstone in a good sense, you know, not not beating people down. But they are, they are preaching with an anointing just to find out a few weeks later that they have fallen from grace and that they have uh, lost their ministry, they've lost their reputation, they've lost their churches because they have been living a life is uh, for lack of better words fake or they're trying to put on a facade or they they uh, lost it and they're just trying to, to, to maybe keep faith. Do you know what I'm trying to say? The reason why I am so transparent with the congregation that God has shepherded me with is because I want you to know that we all go through this and none of us, not a single one of us in this room is exempt. From depression, oppression, blessings, or curses. The enemy, he will lob curses at me, but it does not mean they stick. Are you following me? We walk at a higher level of blessing because we are under a covenant with the one true God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. He is one. And He is in our favor. Father, God, Holy Spirit. a uh, uh, Father, God. God, the Son, and Holy Spirit. All, uh, the fullness of the Godhead is in our corner rooting for us when the enemy is casting curses towards us, when the enemy is trying to come against us, when the enemy has uh, you guys blindsided at the intersection or you're out there on the causeway and you can't see anything but water, the enemy is over there thinking that oh, maybe this is the day he dies, maybe this is the day that this one gets taken out, but God in his sovereignty is walking with us and he is surrounding us and he is the one that is constantly on our side looking out for us whether we're looking out for ourselves or not even in our ignorance there are times when Holy Spirit in his divine wisdom will protect us and he'll guide us and he'll lead us I'm telling you what there's no dishonor in barely hanging on If you're hanging on, I want to tell you, hang on a little bit longer. If you're barely hanging on, you're not pathetic, learn the voice. Learn the sound of your father's voice and learn the sound of the enemy's voice. You need to know how to distinguish those two. The scripture calls that the gift of discernment. It's a gift that allows us to know if the voice that's speaking to us is evil from the enemy or if it's truly from God. And we have to understand that there are times when the enemy will speak to us and he knows scripture better than you and I do. He has been exposed to Scripture. He stood in front of Scripture. The the Logos, the living Word. He stood in front of Him. So He knows how to take it and twist it. And and, and He knows how to lure us in. And there are times when He will use Scripture towards us and with us that, that it's only to deceive us. And we've got to be able to discern is that the voice of the enemy or is that the voice of God? When you are feeling like you are barely hanging on to this thing, the enemy's voice will sound like, well, if everybody, if, if people knew. Now, this is what the boy, I, I don't know what it sounds like to you, but let me, can I give you some of my voices? <laughs> if, if people only knew that you were barely hanging on. Who wants to follow that kind of leader? That's how those voices. So you know what? If I listen to that voice, what that causes me to want to do is to try to put on my robe of self-righteousness. Come on. Well, how y'all doing today? Bless God. God's in control, and there's not a care in the world. Praise God. Isn't God good? God's good all the time. All the time. God is (laughs) good. that's what the enemy wants that's what so many people do that but I've made my mind up like at the end of the day I want to stand before Him. at the end of the day at the end of my life I want to hear what he has to say about me oh yeah accolades and affirmation and all of that from people that's fine and good and it has its place but at 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 the end of the proverbial day i'm going to stand before him and it's not going to matter what shay thinks of me it's not going to matter what what uh, alan thinks of me it's not going to matter what any of you guys think of me what's going to matter is that scripture that you that you put up on the screen earlier Brian when he says you know i don't want him to say what why do you call me Lord? Because I don't know you. You don't resemble anything like I created you to be. And that's what that scripture really means. It's not that God doesn't recognize you. Or like mentally that the Lord, I mean, the Lord knows everything. He's, he, surely he knows who you are. What he's saying is, I don't even recognize you you ever met somebody and years later you run into them i that happened to me the other day in the store and a lady spoke to me and i had no clue who she she was and she began to tell me who she was totally looked different four or five years later totally looked different i had no clue who she was this is kind of what it's like when the lord when we stand before him He's going to recognize us because we line up with the true identity. He's going to line up. It's, or It's going to line up. Our fruitfulness is going to line up with uh, the identity. I choose to partner with his original idea for my life. And there are people that are going to get there. And they're going to stand before the Lord. And he's going to go, that doesn't recognize Uh, That doesn't look like anything that I recognize. That doesn't look like the you that I created. That's what's happened. Lord, Lord, it's me. I did these things. I did these things. But did you do them in my name or did you do them in your name? Were you building my kingdom or were you building your kingdom? When we get to this place in our lives where We think, God, I can't, I can't do anything more. I cannot hold on any longer. I want to tell you, you can. You can. Hold on. Learn the voice of the enemy. Don't let those voices say to you, you'll never make it. This is just like the other 10 times that you gave your life to the Lord well, you'll never be like that person in the church because look at them, you know, they're all this. I've literally heard people in our church before and they didn't mean it, but I don't even think they knew that they were comparing themselves and putting somebody up on such a high pedestal. And I'm like, listen, you gotta be careful when we start doing that, my friend. We, there are no superstars in the church. There are no superstars in the church. There's one star and it's the day star. His name is Jesus. There's no other stars. I don't want to sound like I'm debasing myself or like I'm self-deprecating myself or anything like that, pushing myself down. But everything I can do, you can do. You might not have the authority to do some things because of the of the biblical authority that God gives us in the church. But everything I do, you can do. And everything you do, I can do. It's just, will I put the time and the effort into doing it? There's not a person on TV that can prophesy that you can't prophesy. There's not a person on TV that can heal that you can't heal. You carry healing. There's not a person on TV that can, you fill in the blank when it comes to spiritual things. You and I can do the same things. He gives gifts out to those as they become available. If you're standing there in the hospital room, you don't have to call for Benny Hinn to come heal You know, and I don't mean any disrespect to Benny Hinn because I highly respect him. Been in some of his meetings, saw some incredible things. But the same power that's in him at the same level that is in him can be in you and can be in me. It's just, are we willing to pay the price and to put in it what God wants? And just some people are willing to invest more than others. And that's why some people seem to walk in a greater anointing. But listen. If you're at a place where you've just been in 2020 and I don't know, like I told you, mine has been for several years. But if you just feel like you're in that place where it's like, man, I'm barely hanging on. I'm barely holding on. I'm barely keeping it together. There's no dishonor in that. If you want to put it a different way, you could just say it like this, that God honors those who hang on. Wow. Yeah. God honors those who. Who keep at it. Let me read this scripture. Galatians 6 and 9 says this. It says, Let us not become weary, tired in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Hang on. Don't give up. Hang on. Do not give up. I shared with you last week that, you know, I've just kind of been in this dry spell. Man, the enemy beat me up so bad after I left church last week, and they're like, what the heck did you tell them that for? Like, you're supposed to be the spiritual leader. Now, whose voice is that? Is that daddy's voice, or is that a demonic voice? Well, it certainly didn't help me feel edified, I can tell you that. Why did you tell them that? See, you always go too far. I mean, that's, that's what the enemy's telling me. Right. Now that's probably the truth. <laughs> I'm not being funny. <laughs> I mean, so the enemy will tell you some truthful things. He will, he will, he will tell you the truth, but there's always a uh, destructive motive behind it. God is the exact opposite. God will tell you the truth and sometimes they don't seem real edifying, but that end result is to edify you. Quentin, you gossip too much. I'm just using an example. Quentin, you gossip too much. That don't make me feel good. Lord, is that you? You? Is that the devil? No, it's me, Quentin. I want you to, you know, and the Lord began begin to just speak to you about how you can be a greater light and witness and how to be more effective. When I left this place last week, the enemy began to, he just began to lurch in on me. Why did you tell people that? Why did you say that? People are not going to have faith in you. People are not going to trust you. People, they're going to lose confidence in you. They're going to think you're, you're about to lose it. Nobody wants to follow somebody who's barely hanging on. So like I said, I'm probably preaching this to myself and one other person in this room, but it's doing me some good. I love loving getting this off my chest.
1: <laughs> Galatians
0: 6, 9. When we look at this, we look at, we all get tired. We all get tired. Jesus got tired. He's fasting. He's praying for 40 days and 40 nights out in the wilderness. He is fasting and praying. And who shows up? The devil. When you are tired, that is a dangerous place to be. Listen to me. When you're tired, when I'm tired, that's a dangerous place to be. Are you listening to me? Some people, I don't know if you're listening. But you need to be. When you're tired... You better watch out because the enemy knows that all of your faculties are not functioning at their best. And the enemy loves to just show up. And Jesus, when he showed up in the wilderness with Jesus, the devil, what did he use? The word of God. What did he use? He used the truth to distort it. Thank God that Jesus, He was in His right mind and He used the Scripture right back and He rightfully divided it. He corrected the twisting that the enemy did. But the enemy will show up when you are at your weakest and when you are tired, you need to know what do I need to do when I am physically tired, when I am mentally tired, when I am emotionally tired, when my marriage is tired, when my parenting is tired, when, when uh, you know, the things are financially when I'm tired. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, if your, if your bank account is tired, that means it's low. It is at the bottom of the barrel. If you're tired emotionally, that means you're spent and, you know, you just begin to fly off at the handle. Shay knows it when I'm emotionally spent. And, uh, she'll, but she, and she'll ask me, like, is everything okay with you? And I'm like, no, I'm irritated. I don't even know why I'm irritated, but I'm irritated and it's nothing personal. You didn't do anything. But you're just the object of my non-affection. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, you're, I don't want you to be collateral damage, so just let me get to this place of wholeness and normally she'll just kind of leave me alone so that I don't do anything stupid because you'll do some stupid stuff yep. when you're tired. Yep. You'll say some crazy things when you're exhausted, yep. spiritually, emotionally. I've said some crazy things. i probably said more things standing in front of you that were stupid than I care to admit. But every week I'll get back up and try not to say something stupid again. Are you following me? Why? Because I'm hanging on. There's a tenacity that is built inside of me that if I have to make it hanging on, I will. But I know I won't because it's just a season and it will pass. Because here's the second thing. Timing is important. Timing is important. Jesus, when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son to step into the world. So it was a it was a timing issue. God has all kinds... On the day of Pentecost, not any other day, not on any other feast, but on that day, He released His Holy Spirit into the earth. It's timing. Timing is important. Let us not become weary for doing good for at the proper time. I'm telling you what, the three years that I've been talking about and I'm trying not to glorify that, you know, it is what it is. A lot of people will, uh, you know, will, will, will just try to make light of it and, you know, ignore it. No, I'm not ignoring it. It's not been good because I tell you what, when God brings it through, it's going to be a shouting time. It's going to be a time where, I mean, I'm going to be able to look back and say, Now I understand uh, uh, last year. And now I understand the year before. And oh, I see the year before that what God was doing in me. I don't fully understand all of that right now. I am understanding a lot of it. But the same goes with you. The things that you are going through. You don't understand all of it right now. But you will. You don't see the silver lining that God has in his prophetic acts that are uh, going on in your life. And God will take. We know this from scripture. God will take what the enemy meant for evil and calls it to work together for your good. God will take uh, things. He says. And He causes all things to work together. So those three years of my life, the last six years of your life, the last three months of your life, the last two weeks, God takes all of that and causes it to work together for your good because you are called by God. There is a divine destiny on your life that you have purpose. You might not realize it yet, but if you stick with it, I promise you, you will understand at some point. It will all begin to make sense. Hold on. Somebody needs to look at your neighbor and say, hold on, it's coming. Hold on, it's coming. Look at somebody and say, it's probably not the right time. Now tell them, but my time's coming. My time's coming. Listen. that's. a silly little crazy thing that preachers do. When we put our word out into the atmosphere, it begins to co-create with the Father and it begins to let the Lord know, are you just calling words or are you calling forth your destiny? Are you just calling words or are you coming into alignment with who He has really, truly uh, uh, created you to be? And sometimes we do just call words. I'll find myself sometimes in worship, standing right down there, and half of the first song is gone by, and I've sung every word, and my head hadn't been in it. Anybody else? It's just me that does that, right? What I have to do is I have to, I have to go. Well, hang on a second. I'm calling words. I'm calling words. In uh, in in school, when we're teaching kids to learn, we call that their comprehension. Like what's your reading comprehension? What's your praise comprehension? How much you retain? How much are you retaining of what you read? How much are we retaining of what we praise? Oh my God, I mean, we're in the second song. I don't even remember what the first song was. But You, you were just caught going through the motions. It doesn't mean that you were necessarily doing anything that displeased the Lord. Are you following me? My God doesn't go, yeah, I hate all that. It's just, we're human. Yeah. We got we to gotta get to that place where, our, oh, this is clicking, this is clicking. But hopefully but somewhere between, you know, when we start singing and when we get to wherever we are at, you begin to truly declare those praises out of your mouth. And they go from being a rote memory type thing to an expression of our heart. And that's when when God really steps in. There is a timing. And right now, I sense in my spirit that God is saying, hold on, hold on, because it's coming. Hey, uh, Greg, would you get, grab that microphone real quick? And I want you to come share that prophetic word. It's profound and it's not even that long. But when he said this to me this morning, it, come stand right here. Not that people can see you online, but we just need to practice it when we get those cameras. Going <laughs> right here. What did the Lord say?
1: Yes. Oh, uh, Actually, it started yesterday. I was out raking my yard and my wife and my brother was standing on the front porch, spectating. And uh, <laughs> and I turned and looked to I turned toward them. I said, "2020 is going to be a great year." And last night my wife like, "What do you mean about that?" And this morning when I got up, it's God spoke to me, gave me some clarity to it. He said, 2021, right? "2021, right? Yeah. 2021, yeah. 2021 is going to be a great he's year." He's proper lying if he's talking about twenty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 2021 is going to be a great year. That's what I. That's where I told them that God had put that in my spirit. I woke up this morning, and He said, "Those who." uh, One. One key thing about this, and I thought about it after the fact. He didn't say you was going to have a great year in 2021. He said 2021 was going to be a great year. And this morning, He spoke again to me and said, "Those who endure." 2020 by being steadfast and unwavering will reap the harvest in 2021. And I was like, wow. Come on, man. Give it back to them. Uh, So
0: those who have uh, remained faithful in 2020 are going to reap the harvest in 2021. And when he said that to me this morning, what the Lord said to him, I'm like, that lines up exactly with what we're talking about. Those who have remained faithful, those who have hung on when they hadn't wanted to hang on, felt like they could hang on, didn't want to hang on, but you've hung on, you've been faithful. Those of you who have been faithful, I'm telling you, a time is coming where we're going to look back and we're going to see what God was saying in 20 because He is saying something to those who are willing to listen. And He is going to reveal because He spoke to us earlier in this year and He gave us that vision of these angels on the sides of the room with golden eyeballs and and saying, "I'm, I'm handing out revelation. God is giving revelation to those who want revelation. And not only that, but God is revealing things. There have been times in my last several weeks that I've gotten down in my spirit a little bit because I've seen some of my comrades in the ministry fall. Some of these guys I look up to. Some of them I barely even know. But at some point, I'm like, guys, we've got to get our act together. And we've got to be transparent enough. And the body of Christ who demands grace and, and forgiveness, and rightfully so, needs to be able to give it to their leaders when they don't fully measure up. Amen? I'm, and I'm not trying to say there's anything like crazy or wrong in, in my world or anything like that, but I'm tired of seeing mighty men of God fall by the wayside into lives of sin and losing their ministries. Why? Because they've been basically living a lie wow. to try to keep the people happy and pleased and fooled. Wow. You can't even do that because the scripture says, Be sure your sin will find and you out. Well. Yep. God doesn't do that kind of stuff to uh, shame people. Shame is not of God. But hear me. God will not be mocked. And God will not allow a man or woman of God to stand in front of people and proclaim one thing and live another. He will not allow it. It doesn't mean that God will expose everything somebody's doing because they may be just dealing with it in a righteous, working through things way. But we cannot continue a lifestyle of sin and then become okay with that. We can't do that. I'm telling you what, we gotta pray for our pastors. We gotta pray for our leaders. We got to pray for our president, whoever the next guy is. We gotta pray for our leaders. We have to pray for one another because even out there in your seats, there are people that they are barely hanging on and they don't feel like they can let the people on the same row with them know the things that they're going through. And so what do they do? They hide it or they will uh, they will distance themselves. And this is what I say to people who are going through things. Whether it's in your marriage, if it's in your finances, if it's in any area of your life, the last thing you need to do is separate yourself from the church. That's the last thing you need to do. The church is the group that is the group of encouragers. It's the group that we call out the greatness in you. We aren't going to let you stay where you are. We're going to be there to support you. That's the group you need to be hanging around and not isolating yourself or disassociating yourself from. Faithfulness, the last last thing up here is faithfulness is rewarded. I want you to look at this. If If we become weary, but we do not give up, In proper time, we will be rewarded. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'm telling you what, there's a harvest coming for every one of us. There's a harvest coming for you. There is a harvest coming for you. There is a a harvest coming for you. There is a harvest coming for you. There is a harvest coming for you. There is a harvest coming for you. Don't give up. And I'm here to tell you and encourage you today, you might feel like you know, I just I feel like a failure. I feel like I've let you down, uh, honey. I feel like I've let you down, sir, my boss man. I feel like I've let you down, Pastor Wright. Pastor Wright, I feel like church I've let you down. It don't don't listen to those voices. Be encouraged today. That there is a restoration in this room that is happening right now. There is a healing stream happening in this room right now. And if you'll just walk into it, God will begin to restore you in those places. This morning when we were praying, I saw in the spirit realm, you know what epoxy is? It's that uh, clear liquid that you mix up and you pour over something and it makes a hard glass coat. I saw in the spirit realm this morning, the Holy Spirit was like epoxy in the service today. And He was pouring Himself out. And I could see it. He was going into all these little crooks and cracks and crevices that there would be no way you could ever get into that and seal it and and clean it up. The Holy Spirit was like that epoxy, and He was finding Himself into every remote access and recess and crevice of your life. Things that you've forgotten about, things that you don't even know about. And I've even prayed in my life, Lord. Forgive me for the things that I'm aware of and the things that I don't even know that I did wrong. Forgive me of those things. I'm telling you what, God, He will do that. If you say, God, there's things about me that I'm sure I don't know about myself. God, would you expose it today? The Lord will find those things and He will reach down into your spirit, into your soul, And maybe even into your body. And at the right time, He'll bring it to the surface. And it'll be right there. You'll be like, wow, I never saw that, Lord. And this is what the Lord does with His long arm of forgiveness. He takes it and scoops it off the top. And there's just refined. There's just refinement there. There's restoration there. So looking at this scripture what can you do about it what can you do when you're holding on what can you do when you feel like pastor rife if one more thing happens pastor rife nobody knows not even my husband knows what i'm dealing with not even my kids know what i'm dealing with not even my closest friends know what i'm dealing with pastor rife nobody except holy spirit knows what can you do And I'm going to share with you about four things. Number one, you can confide in one another. The scripture says, confess your sins one to another. Well, nobody likes to confess their sins. But you can use that same principle. Confess yourself one to another. Confide into people whom you can trust. Two are better than one. There is wisdom in getting someone else because many times we will get our perception skewed and we will begin to believe things that are not accurate and sometimes we need a godly believer that can that's not as close to the situation as you are that can reach out and give you some wisdom. So confide in people. The next thing is ask for help. Sometimes you need to swallow your pride And I need to swallow my pride and just say, I need help. I'm in over my head. I don't know what I'm doing in this situation. Can you help me? Or can you point me to somebody who can help me? That's why Shay and I, that's why I tell you some of the things about us. So that you'll know there's no shame in going to a therapist. There's no shame in going to a Christian therapist. They are smarter than They are trained in their particular craft. There's no shame in that. Why do I say that? Because some of y'all need some therapy. (laughs) I ain't lying to you. You've been going to pastors for years who aren't trained to help you at that level. They're spiritual counselors, but there are times where you need somebody who understands your trauma and how your brain works. And they don't teach most of us that in seminary. There's no shame in asking for help. There's no shame in admitting that I'm barely holding on. But you're holding on. You're holding on. You haven't let go. You might only have two fingers on it, but you got two fingers on it. It's really that half full, half empty type thing. The enemy will make you focus on the on the uh, three other fingers that aren't on it instead of going, yeah, but I got two, I got two hanging on. Rest. Sometimes you need to rest. Now this sounds counterproductive to my needs as a pastor. But sometimes you need to stop doing ministry. Because you're tired. We at Destiny Church try not to overwork our volunteers. We try to do that. We may not always succeed, but that's one of our goals that we don't overwhelm people with ministry. Because we know that you got a job, you got a family, you got hobbies and stuff you like to do. But if you're tired, you need to rest in ministry. If you're tired um, and you're doing too much where do you need to cut back if you're tired do you just need to get away for a week and just go be by yourself or get you know not have any responsibilities Jesus rested all the time why because he gave out so much he was so much anointing was being released from his body He was giving out so much that he had to go to the bottom of the boat and sleep. Why? Because he was dog tired. There were times that he would get away just to be away from people. You need to rest. If you're not well rested, and I'm the kind of guy I can sleep on four to five hours of sleep a night. I don't need a whole lot of sleep. But that ain't for everybody. My wife, she's going to need 10 to 13. You know. (laughs) No, she is a definite eight-hour eight girl. But don't whatever works for you. You've got to rest, and can I tell you, rest is not always sitting in front of Netflix. That ain't always rest. Sometimes you need to. That that's that's uh, fun. It's recreation. But sometimes rest is don't. Do For somebody like me, that's just a driven person. That's one of the hardest things for me to do on the planet. When I rest, I'm working in the yard. Well, Shay will say you're not resting. That's working. I'm like well, rest for me, but it's it's really not. You got to get to a place where you just close everything off and let your body just recover. I think I got two more of these. Remember that the, the remember the times that God came through when you are holding on. By your fingernails, when you're holding on by a thread, when you're holding on with all you've got, remember the times that God came through for you. That's why I asked y'all to make a list. How many of y'all did your homework? Don't raise your hands. I want y'all lying in church. You need to do that list thing, man, because it shows you, oh, look what God did in 1982. God Kill my dad in nineteen, you know, ninety nine and two thousand and fourteen. All these different things. When you make a list of the things that God has done for you and you keep track of it, it's the times when things aren't going like you want that you flip back over and they energize your spirit. Number five, worship. Worship. You begin to worship. I didn't preach this. Uh, Scripture out of 1 Samuel chapter 30. But let me tell you in a gist, and then we'll pray. So David, this is in the time when things were not going right in his life. He's been anointed by Samuel to be the king of Israel. So he's already anointed king. In God's eyes, he's the king just the natural events have not lined up with the prophetic event yet he is on a run on the run for his life. Saul is seeking him to kill him twice he's had the opportunity to kill Saul and he didn't he honored his leader. there's a whole message in that right there he had a right to probably do it he had the ability to do it but he honored his leader even though his leader, Was already out of alignment with God. He, while he's out there, he goes and he tries to, you know, again, here's the leader, God's chosen man, and he's looking to get in bed with, so to speak, the Philistines, the enemies. So he's trying to make a partnership. So, you know, thank God that didn't happen. While he goes, so you see, he's at a low place. He can't even get his enemy to become his adversary. And he goes back to his camp. When they come into the camp, it's, it's, it's lit. It's on fire. It's, everything's burning. How bad could it be? I don't have the throne. My, my uh, mentor is trying to kill me. I can't even get my enemies to be my friends. And now, on my way back home, the other enemies, the Amalekites, have gone in, ransacked the place, carried off our women, kids, and everything we own, and burned it. Burned the town. How much worse could it get? It could get worse. Because guess what uh, David's men wanted to do? They, They wanted to have his head on a platter. They were ready to change leadership. They were, they were angry at him. So now it gets even worse. What did David do? He called for the high priest. And he said, bring me the ephod. In other words, bring me my royal priestly garment. In other words, what he was saying I'm fixing to have to get my praise on. These people are getting on my last nerves. They fixing to try to kill me. Bring me the ephod. Bring it to me because I'm fixing to put on my garment of praise. And what he did, the scripture says, in King James Version says it like this, that David encouraged himself in the Lord. He was discouraged, man. He was like a living, breathing, personified country music song. Everything went wrong in his life. He lost everything and it looks like he's going backwards instead of forward. And what does he do? Put on his garment of praise. It's time for me to go before the Lord. And I'm telling you, many times when people get in that downcast place, the scripture says, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in God. How do you put your trust in God? You go back to that list of things that He's done. I saw you do this, God. I'm in this situation. Do this again. Do that one again. God, do this one again. And oh, you had not done this one yet, but God, I believe you're going to do it even though I don't see it. Put on your garment of praise. Somebody needs to get their praise on. Somebody needs to fight their battle with their praise. We sing that song. Like I was saying the other night, a lot of times, some of the some of the greatest lies that we sing, uh, uh, do, we don't tell them, we sing them. Because we'll sing songs that we don't do. And when we say, this is how I fight my battles, praising. Come on, y'all sing that song. This is how I fight my battles. Did you hear me? Y'all come sing that song.
1: <laughs> He's over
0: there getting his praise on his. I want y'all to sing that song. But we'll say, this is sometimes this is how I fight my battles, with my praise. But we don't do that. And we've got to get to that place when the enemy comes in like a flood, we raise up the standard against him. Our standard is our banner. We get these hands in the air. I'm a, I'm a hands in the air kind of person, even if I don't feel like it. You start priming the pump. It'll start flowing in a little bit. Just get your hands into the air like you just don't care. You know, get them up there and God will begin to do something in your life. I promise you. Listen. If you're feeling like you're holding on, God is about to do a turnaround. There's too many things that have happened in this service today. That let me know that God is putting it all in control. Yes. He's putting it all together. Yes, Amy, I'll use you just for a second. You, you don't know it, but when you were uh, back there leading us in prayer this morning, I heard you using words that you, I don't know if you knew it or not, but they were you were flowing in the prophetic because the Lord has just resonated in my spirit. Restoration. Uh, yes. Just you, you kept saying, Lord, restore God. Uh, the enemy's going to pay us back. God, everything that the enemy. <laughs> Remember when you were praying that? And I'm like, oh, my God, that's first Samuel chapter 30 right there. Uh, I don't know if I ha- can you put that last slide up on the screen? Because I don't know that I said that. one. Yeah. Worship. All right. Yeah. I went through all of them. There should be one in there. Actually, it was on the other. But it's like, there's going to be a reward coming. Look, this is what happened. When he got before the Lord, when David got before the Lord. Go read it for yourself. When he got before the Lord, when he put his priestly garment on to get before God. God said, he's like, God, what do I need to do? And God said, go after them and you're going to overtake them. Not only are you going to overtake them, you're going to get everything back. That the enemy took from you and you kept saying that and then David he goes and does it and not only does David get everything that they took from him everything that those scoundrels took from the other tribes in the area David got what they had took and those were David's spoils of war spoils are not what you own spoils are what you got when you didn't work for it spoils I'm telling you what there is a the wealth of the wicked that is laid up for the righteous there's a a blessing coming that you didn't work for. The enemy stole it from you, and you're gonna get that back. But there's stuff that you didn't work for, that you didn't have anything to do with that God is going to give into your bosom. In other words, like this, you're gonna to have to hold it, and and it's gonna be overflowing because of your faithfulness. And that's where that word that you came in and you gave uh, uh Greg, that's why when I heard you say that, I'm like, I don't even know if you know that's prophetic or not. You probably did. But for today, when God was speaking to you yesterday, that goes right in alignment with what God is saying. That for those of us who have held on in 2020, 2021 is your year of reaping. Now, I'm not saying that to just be one of these little catchphrases. 2021, it's going to be a great year. Because there were people that said that in 2020 And they just prophesied all over the place You know (laughs) But 2020 Listen to me 2020 really has been a good year 2020 really has been a good year We just can't see it yet We just can't see it yet It's a year of pruning It's a year of cutting
1: back it's a year of realignment let's get ready for 2021